So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sacred Space. Uh, my name is John Keeley. Today's program has been recorded here at our Come and See studio here in Ada. The program is made up of a series of interviews that I recorded at the recent uh, faith camp in Abbeyfield. And first of all, I'd like you to listen to just a, a few short clips that Mariah Cullity, one of the volunteers back there, a good friend here in Sacred Space, recorded with some of her colleagues there just to give their experiences at the faith camp. So, so let's, let's hear this. Hello, Eileen. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. And you? I'm fine, thanks. And Eileen, where are you from? Abbeyfield. Abbeyfield. And you were here all this week at the faith camp? I was indeed. And what was your role this week? This week, I was leader in one of the classrooms. I was with the guardians. They're about five to seven years of age. Oh, very good. And throughout the week, being in the lessons and the music and the sport and mass, what do you think that they really grew? Did they grow in faith this week, do you think? I really think they did. The kids all got to know each other and they made new friends and they developed a bond that hopefully if they come back next year, they'll know someone and they'll be able to pick them out of the crowd and be able to have fun with someone that they remember from last year, even though they haven't seen them in maybe a year. Oh, that's very good. And yourself, Eileen, have you made friends throughout the years being here? I have indeed. <laughs> a few. Just a few. Uh, a good few. <laughs> and um, I, I asked Neve earlier on as well, like, do you go on trips as well outside of the fake camp? Um, well, this year alone, I've been to Medjugorje with some of the group that were here helping out from Mitchellstown. And I was in, I was at U2000 in Ross Grey with the same group, pretty much. And maybe one or two from Newcastle West. So, so you travel as a, as a group? Yeah, we travel as a group. We're kind of like a bit of a unit. We kind of go as a, a unit, come back as a unit. That's good. And do, and we'll say your experience now of going to Metrogoria and doing all the fake camps and meeting these type of people, do you feel it has helped you grow on your feet? Oh, it has indeed, yeah. Definitely. Definitely, without a That's doubt. Good. Thank you so much, Eileen. Thank you very much. Hello, Ger. How are you? Hi, Mariah. Good, thank you. And uh, where are you from, Ger? I'm from Dua, a little village just out the road from Abbeyfield. Oh, very nice. And have you been here at the fake camp all week? Yes, I have. And what was your role this week, Ger? So this week I was one of the leaders in the room with the cherubs, who were the, the youngest group. The youngest group. And yeah. what age were they range from? So from about four to five years old. Four to five years old. And yeah. how did the lessons go? with the smallies they actually went really really well because we had the simplified lesson plan for the little groups the junior lesson plan and um, just I think the the crafts and the little art the art and craft stuff they did helped to reinforce it in an image form Um, we told the stories as simply as possible and we got them to do actions and they got very involved in the telling of the story and they remembered them they they got they knocked great value out of the stories and how did they get on with their drama they did very well. Uh, our drama this week was uh, we did the our, our little saint protector was Saint Therese. So all the little children were little flowers. Um, so we wore little flower masks. And um, yeah, it was great. They, they learned that Saint Therese loved nature and loved flowers and was herself the little flower. Oh, very nice. And did they bond well as a group? Very well. They were beautiful, beautiful children. That's yeah, good. And how and during mass, how did how did you get on with them? Um, very good. Yeah, they were really, really very good. And sometimes I think they just had a, an intuition that now is not the moment to start talking. You know, they mm-hmm. almost kind of instinctively knew at certain points of the mass, especially around the consecration after Holy Communion. They were really very, very good without having to be told. Um, and they, you know, participated as best they could when they're four and five years old. That's perfect. And you'll be back again next year? 
God willing. Absolutely. I'd love to come back. Perfect. Thank you so much, Jane. Yeah, thanks, Mariah. So, hello, Michelle. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. And Michelle, where are you from? I'm from Mitchestown in County Cork. In County Cork. And you were here all this week for the all fake this camp? this week, yes. Okay. And what would be a highlight of yours this week? Um, well, I have no one highlight that stands out. I think the, the most fun thing about the week was the interaction with the kids. Um, they were so insightful at times and sometimes the, inter- the questions that they had were very interesting and sometimes they come out with something that's so funny that you never even thought of. So it's just the interaction with the kids. It's just fantastic. Well, that's okay. I will be back again next year. Almost definitely. That's good. Thank you. Hello, Neve. How are you? Hello, Mariah. I'm good. Thank you. Good. And where are you from, Neve? Abbeyfield Hill. Abbeyfield. Oh, Abbeyfield Hill. Mm-hmm. And were you here all this week? <laughs> I was, yes. Here at the fake camp? Yes, yes. Oh, fabulous. And what was one highlight of yours this week? Um, probably the music and the action songs. And why do you do you think that the children um, really enjoy them? Yeah, the children really get into it and they they really enjoy it. That's good. And during mass as well, you do action songs at the start. We do, yes. And do you think it helps the children to get into the spirit of the mass? Definitely, it really does. That's yeah. good. And how many years have you been doing the fake camps? Um, I've been doing it for two years. Two years. Mm-hmm. And so last year. You loved it so much you came back again this year. I did, yeah. And have you made friends throughout the, the Oh, I have, years? yeah, I have. I've met loads Very good. new people. I'm going to say that some of the girls that are here this, this this year, have they been anywhere? Have you gone on trips or anything during the year? Uh, we actually went to Medjugorje um, in June and we just meet up a few times. And you brought the spirit then back to the fake camps? I did, yes. And do you do the fake camps in Mitchellstown as well? Um, no, I haven't actually done them. Um, Last year, but I'm going to start doing it now next year. So that's yeah. perfect. Thank you so much, Neve. Thank you too, Mariah. Hello, Anya. How are you? Hi, Mariah. I'm good. And where are you from, Anya? I'm from Mitchestown, County Cork. Oh, fab! And you were here all week in Abbeyfield. I was. That's perfect. Can you describe your week as well for me, please? Oh, it was brilliant. It was amazing. Now, the little children, I say, they enjoyed themselves, and I even learnt loads of things that I didn't know either. And um, so the Good Shepherd, that's very good here. And the children, I just knew that they loved every bit of it because now they're absolutely hyper out and full of the Holy Spirit. And I'm even full of the Holy Spirit as well. And yes, the, the week just went so well and I'm definitely coming back next year. That was my next question. <laughs> so you'll be back again so next year? Yes, definitely. So. That's have my name down that's perfect thank you Anya no bother see ya so thanks to Mariah and all those um, those wonderful volunteers who, who agreed to, to, to give their few little words of encouragement maybe to others and reflections on the faith camp this year so now with that in mind I'd like to go out with our first bit of music and this one is from my good friend Dana from her album Good Morning Jesus and this one is entitled We Are the Children of the World so let's do this so thanks to Mariah and all those um, those wonderful volunteers who, who agreed to, to, to give their few little words of encouragement maybe to others and reflections on the faith camp this year. So now, with that in mind, I'd like to go out with our first bit of music. And this one is from my good friend Dana from her album Good Morning Jesus. And this one is entitled We Are the Children of the World. So let's do this. Breathe your breath. 
Sacred Space. So welcome back again to the second part of Sacred Space, uh, coming from a Come and See studio here in Ida. My name is John Gilly. Now I'd like you to, to listen to an interview that I recorded with a sister Bridget. Sister Bridget is from the community of Mary, who was helping out there back in Abbeyfield at the faith camp. And Sister Bridget tells us about her faith journey and her vocation story. So let's hear this. Joined by another member of the community here, all the way from America, USA, uh, Sister Bridget, how are you? I'm great, thank you. Thank you very much indeed for joining me this morning. Again, uh, we're speaking about vocation stories and, and, and how people come to follow the Lord in, in a special way. Um, a little bit about your own family background. Um, I was not raised in a typically Catholic family, but rather in a Protestant family. And there are five of us, my mom, my dad, and my brother, my sister, and I. And I was raised Methodist until I was about the age of 11 years old when we discovered the Catholic faith. And I guess you could really say this was the turning point in my life, going to my first Mm. Holy Mass Mm -hmm. and discovering the Catholic Church. So your upbringing really would have been within the Methodist Mm -hmm. community. And then, when you came in, then to the Catholic uh, to the Catholic faith, and the, uh, when you were about eleven, you then decided to attend the Catholic school. Then, so obviously, you started to learn a little bit more. No? Um, what it was actually is we were looking for a church that would, I guess you could say, lead us closer to God's love. And so we were going from Protestant church to Protestant church, and through this, somehow God led it that we would try a Catholic mass one day, just looking for God. I guess you could say in the church. And um, so my mom, who had been previously a Catholic, she suggested that we go to a Catholic Mass. And all five of us went for the first time as a family to a Catholic Mass. And there we all felt for the first time the love of God in our hearts in a way that is 
not present in the Protestant Church, and I guess you could really pin it down concretely to the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. And yeah, from then on, <laughs> I guess you could say our lives changed, all five of us, and we all knew after this one Holy Mass that um, the true Church, God's true Church on earth, was the Catholic Church. Beautiful. When did you first get the idea about following a religious vocation? That's one of the most beautiful things is this um, desire to be a sister was also at this very first Catholic Mass of mine because the feeling of having God's presence so close to you and feeling his overwhelming love, um, it was, I guess, yeah, you could say is the best feeling I'd ever felt in my heart in my whole life. And then I knew I never wanted to be separated from this love and I didn't know anything about the Catholic Church mm-hmm. other than they had Pope yep. and they had nuns, whatever that was. Yeah, not a bad start. <laughs> but okay. um, yeah, I thought, you know, this feeling of having God so close to me and knowing that he loves me infinitely, it's enough for me that I think I could live my whole life like this. I don't know what a nun is, but I think I want to be one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was really one of my first thoughts in the first 10 minutes of this Mass. <laughs> and since then, the desire never left my heart. So how did it go about following that or starting off that journey? Yeah, I mean, I was also a normal teenager, so the thought was there, and it was I would definitely say it was firmly rooted in my heart, mm-hmm. but I also wanted to go to college, and I wanted to live a normal life. Mm-hmm. And so I, I went back and forth a lot with this decision, and um, I guess... One of the biggest helps was seeing one of our sisters from the community. Her name is Sister Mary Nicole. She comes from my hometown, and she'd come home every summer for her holidays. And it was the first white sister I had ever seen. (laughs) Not your typical black nun. Mm -hmm. And seeing her was always like this constant reminder in the back of my mind, in in the midst of all of my sports and music and, you know, college and Mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it, it kept me hanging on to this. Hope. Mm-hmm. And so and so, what did you did you approach them? And after first, after two years, because to be honest with you, the first time I saw her, I thought, "Whew, I'll never be a white sister." Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't yeah. too fond of the dress, mm-hmm. and I wanted to be a black nun, you know, yeah. like the ones you see in the movies mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I I never found a black nun, unfortunately, to talk to. Because, yeah, not many people wear their habits anymore, unfortunately. And that was what I was looking for. And the courage that this one sister had to wear her white dress, that was enough for me. And then after two years of kind of avoiding her, Uh as you uh could say, I finally went up and asked her about her community and what it means to wear a white dress. (laughs) And? And then she proceeded to tell me about the family of Mary, about our community. Uh And what struck me the most was how simple it was that the spirituality actually is just based on the concrete pillars of the church. It's Eucharistic. It's about loving Our Lady and imitating Our Lady Mm -hmm. and praying for the renewal of the priests. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, I don't know anything about any of the other orders. But Mm -hmm. for me, this is like, this is so simple and it's so Catholic. I don't feel like I can go wrong, even if I just go check it out. Yeah, And so... That's what I did. And so, you, what, what, you were there for a few years? Where, where was I came over with her one fall just to check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, it's funny because it's a year ago today. God bless. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Um, I flew over with her to Slovakia and admitting the total culture shock yeah, <laughs> with the languages and everything. Yeah. I have to say, 
my heart was very much at home in coming to the mother house, to our house of formation in Slovakia, because I guess it was that feeling once again of feeling Jesus so present, like that first Holy Mass. When the first time I went to the chapel, my heart knew this is home. Even though exteriorly you have that fight of homesickness and a new place and new people, new faces, strangers, my heart knew before my mind yeah. did <laughs> that yeah. Yeah. this is where, this is my place. Mm-hmm. And how long have you been with the community now? Um, it'll be five years today, actually. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. When you first entered, uh, did, what sort of reaction did you get from your friends? Or your, your um, yeah, it was interesting because actually when I became Catholic, I had to get a new group of friends mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> because right. most people mm-hmm. weren't, um, they weren't okay with me becoming Catholic. Yeah. America is actually mostly Protestant. Mm. And so my new group of friends, they were totally supportive and they thought it was great. And that was no problem. And my parents and my brothers and sisters, they weren't surprised at all. I mean, we had all gone this faith journey together. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it was totally normal in our family that you would consider a vocation. And so they were really supportive, actually. (laughs) So your time in community so far, you're with them? It gets better and better. Thanks be to God. Better and better. (laughs) <laughs> what do you think people expect of a sister? Um, I'd have to say to see Our Lady and to see concretely how what Our Lady, how she would be in these times and today and how that would be exteriorly. And I think that means more con- concretely to let the people feel Our Lady's love, mm-hmm. this motherly, tender love, like Sister Marietta said. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. What keeps you going? Um, I'd have to say the our sacraments and adoration, the Eucharistic strength is what keeps you going. Admitting every trial or suffering mm-hmm. that you come mm-hmm. across, you always need that supernatural strength. And that comes purely from the sacraments. That comes from adoration and faithfulness to prayer. Lovely. What would you say to somebody who was just hanging onto their faith by their fingernails? Yeah, that's... Um, it's difficult. It's different mm. for every person because yeah. it, it's for every person that's having a crisis in their faith. It's for a different reason and every soul is so different. But I guess you could say, first of all, taking a step back and stop looking at yourself for a moment mm. and rather turn your whole gaze and your whole heart just to God and let yourself be loved by God. And as our brother Simon Samaria already said, the best way to do that is to go to confession to wash, let yourself be washed totally clean and start anew and start your faith brand new again in the sacraments because that's where you feel God's love the most and where you can allow yourself to be loved and healed mm-hmm. in the yeah in the best way. Beautiful. Sister Bridget, thank you so much for sharing your journey You're with welcome. us. Please pray for us as we continue to pray for you. Absolutely, thank, thank you. Thank you. So my thanks again to Sister Bridget for sharing that wonderful story with us. And now I'd invite you to listen to another member of the community of Mary, uh, Brother Gabriel. Uh, Brother Gabriel comes from Italy, and Brother Gabriel shares his vocation story with us. So again, let's listen to this. Okay, again, um, continuing on with our, with our visit here to the faith camp here in Abbeyfield, and again joined by another member of the community. Uh, this time, Brother Gabriel. Good Hi. morning. How are you? Fine, you? Thank good. Thanks a lot for joining me this morning. I spoke to some of your to, to some of your colleagues here this morning who who shared their journey on their faith and their journey in religious life and so on and so forth. Um, maybe just to start off with, um, can you fill us in on your family background? 
mm-hmm. faith, maybe the faith within the family, school, so on and so forth? So I was born in Italy, mm-hmm. South Italy, near Naples. This city is famous for many things mm-hmm. like pizza, pasta, or Vesuvio. Mm-hmm. This is huge, That's very good. big volcano. Mm-hmm. And I was born in a faithful family. Mm-hmm. And my mother, she is uh, very faithful, and she brought all all the family to the faith. We went every Sunday on on Holy Mass to the Holy Mass. So faith was fairly strong within the family. Yeah, it's very strong. And then at some stage in your life, you you got the idea of following a religious vocation. So it was in 2011. Okay, I went to Medjugorje to a pilgrimage. And I met there some people of the community of the family of Mary. Mm-hmm. So, and there I taught the first time to the priesthood. That's when you first got the idea when you went to Medjugorje. Mm-hmm. How did you follow that through then from there on? Did, did you speak to a priest then about what you were thinking? Yeah, I spoke with my uh, spiritual guide. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and so, uh, after Medjugorje, I went to Rome. Okay. Because in Medjugorje, I met the family of Mary, okay. just some people. Mm-hmm. And I was so in- interest, interested to see more, so to take a look of mm-hmm. this community. So, I went to Rome. And there I stayed just for one week, just to see people and this community. Mm-hmm. And this were, was very beautiful because I saw the face are, was very happy mm-hmm. and very mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. after this week, I come back home. And so, yeah, when I came back home, I mm-hmm. spoke with my mother. My mother was very surprised, happy, and, and at the same time uh, very sad because I had to go yeah. in a, another place. And in our community, there are people who comes from who come from other lands like mm-hmm. Africa, America, okay. and yeah, I I am just I'm only two hours mm-hmm. full, two hours far from my town, my mm-hmm. city. And yeah, yeah. And the first time that I was uh, before to enter the community, in this community, it was like a fight in me, Uh, like a challenge because there was I I could hear. like in me, a voice who told me, Gabriel, take your time. You don't have to go now so quick in this community. You can take your time, stay at home. You can, yeah, just relax. And I've, I heard, heard, heard another voice in me and this told me, you must, you must go there Mm -hmm. and yeah and this was very 
strange for me and very I was so surprised of this uh challenge in mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. And this was just for um, a full week I had this competition in me. Mm -hmm. And yeah, um and this voice who told me you must do this it was so strong so strong that I made the decision to go uh, quick in this community. So just to do a sense in my life, it was very important for me to follow this in me, this voice. And so after this, com after this week, I was in the community and now I'm still in this community. So how long are you? How, how Five, are you? Sorry. How long are you in the community now? Five years. And yeah. And your experience so far in the community? Your, your discernment? Formation? Good? Yeah, uh, it's very good because we have the first two years are pre-seminary. Mm -hmm. In this pre-seminary, you can uh, discern your vocation and praying uh, into the chapel and do some works you can learn language languages or many works in in the house in the garden you can you can learn particle and academic things how many more years have you got before you three years i yeah i have to do two years and after this i finish to study and then a spiritual year What do you think people expect of a priest? Yeah, um, I think that people want to see um, that the priest is very united to God and to see a witness of love for God. What keeps you going? Maybe I, I'm sure, I'm, yeah, I'm sure that The I was in Medjugorje. I was to Medjugorje. So Mary, mm. she's the the most important person that bring me now. Keep keep me going on. Last question: What what would you say to people who might be hanging onto their face by their fingernails a little bit? Yeah, to le to learn more about Jesus, but this. Learning is not just books, but going to the Mass, to the Confession, and try to pray more. Because like this saint, Friends of, Friends of Sales, mm -hmm. told, you learn to walk by walking, you learn uh, talk by talking, you learn love to loving, and you learn pray to pray. Bye, pray. Sorry. Brother Gabriel, thank you so much. And the only thing I can say to you is your English is much better than my Italian. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> Please. Thank very you. good. Very good. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. So thanks again to, to Brother Gabriel and indeed again to Sister Bridget for sharing their stories with us. So now I'd like to go out with a piece of music. It's by my good friend uh, John Michael Talbot from his album Troubadour for the Lord. And this one I think is ideal. Let's surrender. Surrender it all to the Lord. So let's do this.
So welcome back again to part three of Sacred Space, coming from our Come and See studio here in Adam. My name is John Keeley. And now I'd like you to listen to another interview, another recording that I made with, this time, Father Patrick Cahill, uh, a member of the Community of Mary, who really was instrumental in making this such a success, this faith camp such a success this year. And Father Patrick shared his vocation story with me. So let's hear this. Okay, so, again, joined uh, by Father Patrick Cahill, uh, who's here in the faith camp here in Abbeyfield. Thanks for joining us, Father. Great to be here. Um, first of all, tell us a little bit about your background, faith, your, your, your family background and faith experience and so on. Right, well, I finished uh, school in 1997. My family would have always been very faithful. My mom got a book on Garabandal in about 94 or 95, which scared the life out of her, mm-hmm. which was great because then we started praying the, the rosary in the family. Okay. So a good yeah. friend, a good friend, yeah. of her, I still remember the book. It was the ugliest green book ever. Okay. Uh, but yeah. when she read through it, uh, the messages were, were fairly, uh, uh, yeah. they, they, they cut to the core. Uh, 
so because of that we started praying so it was there definitely were positive effects to it um so yeah the family would have been faithful thank god uh, when i finished school though i had no intention of becoming a priest absolutely none whatsoever um i wanted to be an, an engineer and that was a a very good job at the time in Ireland, uh, Dell and Gateway 2000 and Intel mm-hmm, down in Limerick, mm-hmm. they were all booming. Yep. So um, money was good, um, job possibilities were abundant, so I thought, look, this is the way to go. Mm-hmm. So I went to, to UL, University of Limerick, got the points, went in, and absolutely hated it. <laughs> I did one semester and I said, this is just, this is not for me. I used to dread uh, Sunday evenings when I'd have to go back to, to, to college. It was just awful. And then I'm generally a kind of a chirpy person. But yeah, yeah. I started to lose that. And I said, okay, this is it. I can't, I can't actually continue this. I don't, nor, nor do I have to. My parents would have been, they would have been very, uh, they would have trusted us and trusted okay. our, yeah, our yeah. sermon. Yeah, kind of yeah. So I just, I went home and I said, look, after Christmas, I said, look, I, I'm not going back. Mm. This isn't for me. They said, okay, what do you want to do? And I said, I have no idea. (laughs) So I Mm. sat down one evening to list my options. And uh, I thought, well, I could do mechanical engineering because I like mechanics. I could do aeronautical engineering because I love planes. I could do civil engineering because I know people in the course. And then for the first time in my life, I thought, what about priesthood? So it it just kind of jumped in there without my permission. Mm. Um, So out of nowhere priesthood yeah. now i guess coming from a faithful family and then i don't know there would have been different little uh influences throughout my life i remember serving mass and um for benediction we used to go to benediction on sunday nights sunday evenings and um and i was serving there as an altar server just uh swinging swinging the turbul and hearing this latin was latin mm. i didn't know what it was yeah. this foreign yeah, language yeah, yeah. and just the the like the the atmosphere of this there's something bigger in this than me you know, there's something that's like, there's this kind of tradition, this rich, I'm part of something huge. You know, when, when you're in the church, like you're part of this family of God, you're part of this this longer than 2,000 years of, of, of tradition. It's, it's all there. Like, it's amazing. I was fascinated by it, but even though I knew very little of it. Where were you with your faith at this particular stage? You know, when you went to university, were you still going to Mass yourself? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, fine. Um, weekly Mass, definitely. Okay. Mm. Um, daily Mass on occasion. On occasion, okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah. There was a... Anyway, this, this without permission, this idea came into your head about yeah, priesthood possibly. Yeah, yeah. Well, as I say, like uh, my faith would have been strong, probably stronger than a lot of people of, of okay. my age at the time. But it, 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 as I didn't feel that it was anything extraordinary for me. It was just normal. Mm. That's just it's what I knew. Mm. Um, like my my life wouldn't have been entirely coherent with my faith. You know, there would have been occasions of exaggeration in one way or another mm, uh, mm, which I won't mm, go into but uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah um, a saint I wasn't and I'm not yet actually it was one of the kids asked me in a, a camp we did last week father are you about 20% holy <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. I said yeah that, that's about right about right yeah uh, so um, yeah so then I went off anyway I, I, as I said I listed those options mm. and I couldn't believe that that I had just written this thing down priesthood but I couldn't think of any advantages to associate with it like mm. all the other courses there were ups and downs pros and cons but this i just couldn't think about why be a priest why on earth be yeah. a priest like yeah. to do what restore mm. buildings raise money bury dead people and like is that it like is that is that all priests yeah. are supposed to mm. do mm. and i thought no no that's no way I'm, i mean it's if it was a side job maybe you know if you could do something and be yeah. a priest on the yeah. side then yeah. okay that, yeah. that'd be nice yeah. but to dedicate your life to it absolutely not okay. no way so I said, I know what I'll do. I'll become a religion teacher because they do good. They help people. They pass on the faith. And yet they can still be normal people and have their lives and don't okay. have to commit mm. their whole life to 
this hmm. fundraising job. Okay. <laughs> uh, so that's what I decided to do. So I went off to UCC, University College Cork, after spending, what, a half year fitting windows and houses. Great experience. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, so, yeah, I went off to, to college and loved it. Moved in with a good friend of mine from school. He had repeated the leaving cert, so we ended up in the same year. So, um, yeah, we had great fun. We had we, the first house I lived in. There were 10 of us. It was just myself, the other fella, and eight girls. So mm. the, the house the house was great crack. That's right. <laughs> and um, yeah. then we moved, yeah. we moved to another house. Again, a lovely big house. And uh, lots of house parties yeah, and okay. social yeah. life yeah. and all, yeah. all, the, all yeah. of that kind of thing. But, yeah. yeah, but yet the, the faith was still important. But I could feel that there was a, an ever-growing tension within me. Uh, the, the 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 lure of the world, the temptation of the world, that they were getting bigger. The longer you spend in the world, like the more the the darkness of the world becomes normal. Yeah. The more you get used to it, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. everyone else is doing it. That's mm-hmm. okay. And maybe for six months or a year, you can say everyone else is doing it, but I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. But then after two years, will you still be saying that, or will you be saying everyone else is doing it? And sure, maybe look, is it really that bad? Like yeah. you know, uh, the longer you spend in the world, the the the, the, the less dark yeah. the darkness seems. Yeah. You're right. You get used to it. So this was little by little beginning to happen to me. And I remember coming home with um, questions to my parents on occasion that absolutely shocked them, you know. Now, it wasn't that I was having a, a, a crisis in my faith, but no one had ever explained the faith to me. Yeah. You know, mm. generally speaking, our mm. generation and the generation before us. That's right. We, we can't explain our faith. So I went home and I said, look, what's wrong with contraception anyway? Mm-mm. What is actually wrong? Would someone mm. just tell me mm. what's wrong with it yeah. and my mom actually was reduced to tears I remember she, she, she left the room in tears yeah. and I said what I just asked a simple question will someone tell me you know yeah. but she, she thought oh my god what is my son doing what is yeah. my son doing we've lost our little boy yeah. and I said no 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 it's, I, I'm not as I say I, I wasn't having a, a, a crisis yeah. Yeah. See, I wanted to understand yes. what the why is behind yeah. our faith mm-hmm. anyway so while I was in Limerick I started going out with a wonderful girl from a prayer group I was part of a prayer group down in near Mitchellstown uh, at the time. And that was probably my salvation because that allowed me to meet good people of faith, my own age, who were normal, who were happy, joyful, mm. but young. And also for a young guy to meet other young guys and, of course, young girls uh, of similar age. It just means that actually, I can actually live as a young Catholic. Mm. and It doesn't mean that I'll be alone for the rest of mm. my life. So, yeah. So I met a girl in that group. And um, who I'd fancied then for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And eventually, anyway, I asked her out. She said, yes. So we started going out. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was a girl of faith as well, thank God. Mm-hmm. So we lived a, a good relationship together. We, we used to pray together. We'd meet up on the weekends. Um, she was in Limerick and I was in Cork. So we'd find a way to meet up anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was all going fine and dandy uh, until after two years of going out. Uh, one night after uh, disco, went back to her place. And um, she says to me, are you all right? And I said, I am, yeah, why? And she said, are you thinking about becoming a priest? So this was after two years of, of going out. So I mm. did not see this coming at all. No. Uh, and then my first thought was, she wants to dump me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's found yeah. an excuse. She's found yeah. a way to dump me. That's but it. no, that wasn't it at all. Yeah. But just when she asked that question, that was in 1999, November 24th, um, how are you thinking about becoming a priest? The I knew at that moment was going to define the rest of my life. The answer to this question was going to change yeah. everything. Because if the answer is yes, I want to be a priest, then why on earth study to be a teacher? Mm-hmm. Why continue to go out with her? Mm. And then where do I go? 
if I'm called to be a priest, fine, but where, how, mm-hmm. who do you talk to, what do you do, where do you start? Uh, and if I say, no, I'm not thinking about becoming a priest, am I telling the truth? Yeah. So it, it does, like my, my life just ground to a halt and there was this um, fork in the road and I had to decide which way I was going to go and my answer, the next words out of my mouth were going to change everything. So deep down, I knew that there was something in there. There was a call, there was a lack of peace with what I was doing in the world and something there was a, a lack of peace that I knew the world could not satisfy because mm-hmm. I we we had a very active social life and myself and my friends down there in college we went out three or four nights a week um, and yeah I liked life large and loud yes and, yes. That, and that yes. was very very deliberate mm-hmm. uh, I never had silence the TV was always on radio was always on at full belt that we had music and massive speakers the whole yeah, thing yeah. Mm-hmm. whole house would vibrate and that's the way I liked it I was always driving the car with music on did not like silence because I didn't want to listen to the real me okay. or the voice of the Lord anyway so I answered the question look I think I am I think I think I'm called a priesthood uh, that was it that, that that changed everything then slowly we broke up and um I finished out the year in college, but knowing I wasn't going to get the degree, I had no real enthusiasm to do it. But then, fine, okay, you, you decide you want to be a priest, then what? Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought, well, sure, my default is to go for the diocese. So I went for the diocese, did the interview, got the interview, and then I was there, um, only seminarian at the time. Um, but my heart still wasn't fully in it. I thought, this, I don't know, this... The example I saw, it just it seemed like priesthood was firstly lonely. And that's not me. I, I like talking. Mm. Not sure if you've picked that up yet. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I like community. I like being with people. Uh, uh, solitary confinement as a priest every night alone in a big house. I don't know. That's mm. just sounds depressing to me. Mm. And then secondly, young men especially need to see the priesthood makes a difference. You know, that it, 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 it says something. It's there for something. It offers something. It does something. Mm. Like, people are astounded when they see these Tibetan monks and how they, they go up to their temples in the middle of the mountains and they, they meditate for hours and hours in dead silence and then they don't talk to anyone and then there's a gong in the evening. <gasps> Isn't it incredible that they're mm. so dedicated to their faith? And mm. people are uh, impressed by that kind of radical dedication. Mm. And I thought, yeah, but I don't see a whole pile of that around me so I'm going for this priesthood but I don't have really any very clear priestly examples heroes I want to be like Father X Mm. I didn't really have any of that so and you need it. You need to. Yeah, you need to aspire yeah, to, yeah. to 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 follow someone's example. Mm-hmm. I mean, how can you invent the priesthood on your own? Mm-hmm. I mean, how you know? Again, it's lonely and and it disillusion. It's wide open to disillusionment yeah. if you live your priesthood like that. So, while well, I made the decision, I don't know. I wasn't mm-hmm. fully at, at peace with it yet. Um, a couple of years before that, around about the time I started going out with Catherine. I uh, met a sister from the community that I'm part of now, the family of Mary. And uh, she was young, Slovak, very bright and sparky and happy and joyful. And she came uh, on pilgrimage with us to the Holy Land. And she really impressed 
the whole group just because of her well you, you interviewed the sisters earlier so you know you know what mm-hmm. they're like mm-hmm. uh, they're just very natural normal but the yep. faith is very solid and very mm. deeply rooted in them they have an authentic love for the Lord so this is what I, I saw in her fine that was, that was it was grand I was impressed with her example but it didn't have much of an effect on my vocation per se um, but after I had decided to join the priesthood she, she contacted me and she said would you like to come out to Slovakia we have a retreat out here every year for our whole community and I said, yeah, sure, I'm doing nothing else. And out I went. And I saw 140 sisters and 30 priests and loads of seminarians and novices who were happy, who were joyful, who loved the Lord, who, for whom the faith was important. They, they'd love to go to adoration. They talk about natural, normal things as well, like how much they loved skiing and how many backflips mm-hmm. they can do on a snowboard. But then they'll go to adoration. You know what I mean, it all kind of it all went together. Like the, God gives us the beauty of creation, which is great, which is not sinful. You know, the, the things of the world which are good, fine, use them. Use music and sport, all these things you like, but they should help us glorify God. Yeah. And this is what I saw here. I said, this is it. This is it. This is it. This is home. It's the first time I've felt at home in three years. So uh, I went. I went back home, and uh, I called Father Paul, the Spirit, and I said, "Um, this is." Paul from Ireland. My name was Paul before I got mm-hmm. ordained. My name was Paul. I said my name was Paul here. Um, any chance I could come over to you? Now, I hadn't learned kind of German English or foreign English yet because no one else in the world says ye. Not even Americans say ye. <laughs> so when I said, can I come over to you? He was yeah, dead silent yeah. on the other side of the phone. He said, what What means this? Come to <laughs> ye? <laughs> so I said, to, to you plural. Can I come over to you plural? He said, oh, yes, of course, of course, of course. So I went over to Rome then in September of 2000. I've been there since. So I did nine years of formation. I was ordained in 2009 in St. Mary Majors. And I, I love it. I haven't regretted a single day of it. And tell me, within that time, I mean, obviously you've had, you've had loads of experience and challenges and so on and so forth. Will you tell us a small little bit about the work that the community of Mary do? Our first missionaries would have gone to the former communist countries like Russia and Kazakhstan, the Ukraine, Slovakia, East generally. Uh, and there the, the missions are quite varied in that former communist countries, it's it's a battle. Mm-hmm. mission out there is tough because the people are used to being lied to. They're used to not trusting the system. Mm-hmm. So you can't just go in there and say, hi, this is Jesus, do you want to come to Mass? And they'll go, oh, great, and then they come along. It doesn't work like that over mm-hmm. there. It takes a long, long time to win their trust. Uh, so it's 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 difficult over there. Obviously, then you've got the, the environmental conditions. I mean, Mm-mm. the winter's absolutely Baltic, and the mm. summers then are, are, are quite hot. But not an easy country to do to do mission in. But look, if that's where the Lord calls you, yeah, that's where you're called. So that's where we went. So little by little, we've been moving west, and different opportunities have come up. So we have a mission now also in in uh, in Amsterdam, where we have the responsibility of the Shrine of the Lady of All Nations. So we promote that prayer throughout the world. And uh, we have a, a mission in Uruguay, um, hopefully something in Ireland someday or year soon. Who knows? The Lord is guiding us all, though. And tell us about your, your particular work in Ireland, especially with the, faith, with the faith camps. Yeah, it was in the year after I was ordained, 2010. I was coming back from the Divine Mercy Conference on a bus with a lady named Margaret Meehan. And uh, she spoke to me about these uh, this faith camp Mm. idea which had been going on in Ardmore for I think four years at that stage um, for maybe five five years and uh, so she said we ha- we bring these young people that we know bring them together we do sport we do art a little bit of drama 
And then we teach them about maybe a saint or some aspect of the faith. Would you like to get involved? And I said, well, that's right up my alley, actually, because that's exactly the kind of stuff I'd like to do in Ireland. So I went along and I brought a couple of sisters and a couple of seminarians with me. Uh, So we said, this this is good. I like this. So we've been involved now every year since. This is our, I think, seventh year in Ardmore. Um, But then... I work in Mitchellstone, so I brought this idea back to Mitchellstone. Mm-hmm. And now I wasn't in Ireland full time, so I wouldn't have been able to start the thing myself. But I mentioned it to the parish priest, so he came down and he brought a, uh, he sent down, or he sent a delegate actually, mm-hmm. a lady named uh, Martha uh, Kent. So she came down and had a look and said, okay, we can do this in Mitchellstone. So she started it there. Then Middleton, Mallow, uh, Tremor, Dungarvan. Middleton, all these places now have seen these camps, see that they work, see that it's not rocket science, takes a bit of preparation, mm-hmm. but it's not impossible. And that you can get three generations involved because the camp is aimed directly at your kids, but you get your teenage leaders in to mm. assist, but then also they're, they're picking up what's been, what's been, they're picking up just from the atmosphere yeah. uh, of prayer and joy. And also they often have to teach the lessons. So in teaching, they learn. And then you've got the parents involved as well when they see the, the, the joy or the artwork of their, of their kids. So, you get a lot of people involved through a rather simple initiative. So we've been involved generally now with the Ardmore Camp, Mitchellstown Camp and Abbey Field. They're the ones that we concentrate on, but thank God it's spreading further afield as well. It's a beautiful apostle. Thank you so much for bringing it because I've certainly enjoyed myself this week. Last question. What do you think about someone who might come up to you and might be struggling with their faith and hanging onto their faith by their fingernails? What would you say to them? Hmm. Yeah, there, there are... One of the problems that we have here in Ireland is that when people say I'm struggling with the faith, generally speaking, they don't really know the faith. And it's not a question of intelligence. Um, but how many people have had a real experience of Catholicism? Yeah. How many people have had a real experience of the love of Jesus? It's, it's rare. And that's why I think people like going to places like Medjugorje, where I think it's a, a 20 or 30,000 a year go from Ireland to Medjugorje. Or they go to, to, to places where there seems to be a kind of a, a, a spiritual joy or zeal or enthusiasm there. Um, so generally speaking, Irish people who don't know their faith haven't really experienced it. Now, they may have gone to Mass, maybe even weekly, mm. but that still doesn't mean they've experienced the faith. So... If we want to, to really discover our faith, what, what can, what's at the heart? What's at the core of our faith? Jesus Christ. That's it. If we, if we know the Lord, if we meet the Lord, if we have a personal relationship with the Lord, all the rest falls into place. Because it's the Lord who sets up the church. It's the Lord who hands on the teaching of the church. It's the Lord who inspires sacred scripture and so on and so forth. So all, all, all of it rests on, on the person of Jesus Christ. So if we put the Lord back in the center, uh, the rest will fall into place. How can you do that on a practical level? Number one, have the desire to do so. Lord, I want to let you in. I'm not quite sure how, but I want to let you in. Lord, if you exist, show me. Even, even if, if your prayer is that simple, let it be that, but let it be real. And have, just have an openness to God in your heart. And then I would say definitely dedicate time. If, it's, if it means something to you, if you really want to discover your faith, give it 10 minutes a day. Maybe last thing at night. You pray maybe one decade of the rosary. Thank the Lord for everything that happened during the day and entrust your intentions and problems to him for tomorrow. Do that regularly. So then you're building up a regular and natural, normal friendship mm-hmm. with God. Mm-hmm. Little by little, the light of that illuminates your heart, 
gives you all sorts of answers, gives you all sorts of peace and consolation. And then little by little, the rest will fall into place. But it starts with building a natural relationship with the Lord. Father Pat, Sister Marietta, Sister Bridget, Brother Gabriel and Brother Simon, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Father Pat, just to finish off this little meeting, would you, would you share a prayer with us, please, just to finish off the meeting? Sure. Maybe we can pray the prayer of the Lady of All Nations, which our, our Lady gave to us in, in Amsterdam. It's a prayer very much for our time, directed to the Holy Trinity, where we ask for the Holy Spirit to be uh, to fall, to, to live, to dwell, and inspire every single heart, the hearts of our families, our children, our politicians, that the Holy Spirit will guide each one of us to our everlasting home in heaven. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the Father, send now your Spirit over the earth. Let the Holy Spirit live in the hearts of all nations, that they may be preserved from degeneration, disaster and war. May the Lady of all nations, the Blessed Virgin Mary, be our advocate. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you all. So that about brings us to the end of this programme this morning. Thank you so much indeed for listening, and thanks to all those members of the community of Mary who joined us this morning and really encouraged us by their vocation story. We wish them God's blessing in the future. So now we'll finish up the programme. I plan um, again uh, a piece of music that I like to play quite often, especially after vocation stories. This one is Mark Forrest from his album You Are Mine, and this one is entitled You Are Mine. So until next week, God bless you all now. Bye. came from the cloud. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. I will come to you in the silence. I will lift you from all your fears. You will hear my voice I claim you as my choice Be still and know I am here And do not be afraid For I am with you I have called you each by name and follow me and I will bring you home I love you and you are mine I am the hope for all Shadows of the night I will be your light Come and rest in me Sacred Space